aren't you going to start? Don't you normally start with, so David? No, I start. That's right. It's, you've confused me. What? Oh, Look, my I, God. I mean, you've done this before, right? Only for the I last have. two and a bit years yeah. have we done the exact same format, but I'm yeah. so glad you're stumbling You know right what now. it is? I'm back, in my, I'm back in the blanket fort, and I haven't been in the blanket fort. It's thrown me. The blanket fort makes you stupid. It's, well, yeah, well, it kind of just, <laughs> just kind of makes me stupid, because like, I've been put in isolation before I go on a very top-secret mission. Very top-secret mission, which I'm very excited to hear all about. But how about you introduce what we're going to talk about today? So, Michelle. So, David. You may have heard recently that there was a hacking scandal yes. in the United States. Yes, because you know what? I deeply, deeply follow all the news that you follow. No, no I did no. not. All right, so cast yourself to Hawaii. Don't you think like a Prime Minister. Oh, I, oh, I am. Yeah. Just to imagine you're Scott Morrison. Yeah. yeah, just imagine you're Scott Morrison. You're sitting on a beach and there are some guys tinkering away with the undersea cable that connects Hawaii to Asia. Oh, Yes, I remember this story now. Yep. Oh, yeah, 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 you do. Right, so basically what happened now, interestingly enough, when they hacked the undersea, these guys tried to hack the undersea cable. They didn't actually try to hack the undersea cable. They tried to get into a server of the owner of the undersea cable so they could access all the information on there. Now, interestingly enough, it was blown wide apart by Homeland Security or whatever they call it over there. They blew it apart, but they won't tell us anything about it. But, of course, having looked at it, I saw that went, Instantly went, Ooh, radar up, got to find out what's going on with undersea cable hacking. Oh my God, do we have a spy story and a half for you today? Oh my God, let's deep dive into this one. Quite literally. You're listening to I Spied, the undersea cable tapper of Australian intelligence. Putting on the top Okay, maybe less tapping and more listening. Hello, welcome to I Spied. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan. And today we're going to talk, well, I guess we're talking underground cables and Undersea cables. Underground, but are they under the sea, under the ground, under the sea, or they're just on the foot of the sea? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, God, to, to get all the way down there and dig a trench like a council worker. You know, I you, don't know what they're doing. I just love the idea of some guy floating there <laughs> in a little dinghy with a stop slow sign, yeah. you know, the lollipop girl. <laughs> and you know they're ships. Irish. You know yeah, they're, they're Irish. <laughs> yeah, go fucking around, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, so unders, undersea cables, hacking of undersea cables. Yeah. I'm so excited. You can tell. I'm super excited. Yeah, I can't. I can tell. I can see in the reflection <laughs> of the window behind you. Now, look. Yeah. The whole thing is an undersea cable is just laid out on the ocean floor. Right. Right. There's no point in going down there and digging a trench and putting a top over it because then it's very difficult to go down and fix it if you need to. Yes. And, but then my my thing is, which we're going to get into, then it's easy yeah. to find and hack into, right? Well, when you've got about ten thousand meters of water on top of it, it can be difficult. Right, even at 400 feet, it's difficult. Okay. Um, not that it's impossible. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Because with the Hawaiian case, essentially, there was a group of international hackers that the Homeland Security refused to identify. They're not going right. to identify who the group is, and they're not identifying the country they were arrested in. All right. So definitely not China or Russia as the country they were arrested in, but maybe they were actors for them. But the whole thing was they tried mm. to break into the server. Right now, do you know how many submarine cables come into Sydney alone? 
That's a question for you. Oh, um, what are we talking per year, per month, per day? No, no, just the number of cables, inter- undersea cables that are literally yes. come to shore in Sydney. Oh, the one. Oh, right. Sorry, you mean like yeah. the literal number, the not literal cables, cable, not that comes cables in. as in Morse code cables. I don't know. Yeah. I think it would be a lot because Telstra relies on them, don't they, for telecommunications? There are thirteen, thirteen, 13 cables. Now that that's a lot big. of cables. But that would also be yeah. big, right? Well, you'd think it would be big, but when you think of a cable, right, the cables look pretty big, particularly when they're underwater because they need a lot of insulation and mm. waterproofing, obviously. Water yep. is invasive and particularly at depth under pressure. And that yep. was when they first started laying the very first cable, the transatlantic cable, they ran into all these problems. And that was just a copper and steel cable with a yeah. rubber coating. Now it's fiber optics, it's ethernet, it's all different kinds of cables all wrapped up into one big cable. But really, it's not much bigger than sort of like you know a beer can, okay. maybe a little bigger once it gets underwater. But once it I comes imagine, on shore, I imagine they're much, much bigger. Now, I also want to know what is the longest cable because I reckon they would have to go pretty far. Yeah. Now there is something like um, well, Australia has four hundred thousand kilometers of cable attaching itself to the rest of the world. Now, when you combine that with the rest wow. of the world, there are millions of kilometres of this cable. Essentially, they've said yep. the number of cables that Australia has would wrap around the world a substantial number of times. It's like 400,000 wow. kilometres of cable. That's a lot of cable, but it's all underwater. Now, once it's underwater, yep. it's kind of difficult to get to. You need something pretty substantial to get you there, like, say, a submarine. Yeah. Which brings us to one of the most famous undersea cable hacking stories ever in the history of ever. And you're going to love it. You know how you love a good operational name? Uh, is it Ivy Bells? Ivy Bells. What a beautiful name. <laughs> You've done some homework. This is awesome. Yes, my homework extends to opening up a Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I can't blame you, but Ivy Bells is a really interesting case because back in the 70s, put your bell button was back Super on. Super interesting. Yep. Lighter joint. We're going back to the 70s. All right. <laughs> you just want to light a joint. It doesn't matter what era. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, right. So we go back to the 70s when the American mm. Navy realized, hang on, the Russians have this communications cable running from the Kamchatka Peninsula, which is Northern Asia, across yep. to the main sort of body of Russia. And they went, Wonder if we could hack that, right? So there comes a couple of problems. One, how do you do it, right? So the cable ran in the Sea of Okotsk. Say that together, Okotsk. Okotsk. And now the Sea of Okotsk is owned by the Russians. They call it sovereign territory. No foreign ships are allowed in. Mm -hmm. But the Americans were actually going in there because the Russians had splashed an anti-sea missile that they were experimenting on. And the Americans went, well, we're going to go in there and pick up bits of it so we can have a look at it, at least That was the excuse they used. They went, you fired a missile, we're going to go and pick it up. So what they did was there was this guy by the name of Captain James Bradley, right? Sorry, Captain James Bradley. He wasn't an American. He was an Englishman. He was an American. Okay. He was the Undersea Warfare Director for the US Office of Navy Intelligence. And basically, he had a submarine called the USS Halibut. That's right. It was named after fish. Um, the USS Halibut. I mean, there's nothing Halibut. really sexy about that, is there? Really? No. Yeah, what no. ship do you work on? The Halibut. Okay. That's All right. the, the only one that would be worse would be they the They just gave you a fishing boat, basically. They gave you a fish boat. Now, it went on a search for the K-129 Soviet submarine. So this is a quite a famous submarine. It's done a lot of work in intelligence. Now, they knew that there was this phone line, and they also knew that the Russians didn't encrypt it. 
right? They had this thing in the, the Sea of Okotsk. They didn't encrypt it because basically who the heck's going to tap this? Yeah, it's they're, like, they're like, fuck this. No one's going to attack this. No one will touch our cable. Leave our cables alone. They're not for playing with. So <laughs> what the Americans did is they got a rescue sub. They took right. this rescue sub and they jury-rigged it so they could actually get yeah, and it was being carried by the halibut, and we'll get on to how that works later. But basically, this rescue sub had divers on it. The divers went down and attached a tapping device. Now, a couple of things. At that depth, they probably would have died from the bends, and that's where they discovered it's called saturation diving. This one operation created all of this technology. Right. Saturation diving, where you replace the nitrogen in the scuba bottles with helium. So basically, these guys were at great depth. Oh, talking like this, which would have made it fun for them. Right. So how how deep are we talking? Oh, we're talking about four or five hundred feet. Yeah, but like they wouldn't have had to have died from the bends, wouldn't they? Just have to do a very very slow release back up. Oh, they would have done that. That definitely would. They would have done the correct procedure to come back up. But don't yeah. forget, they're in enemy territory, so they can't hang around. So oh, like also- literally, I I have some friends who are deep divers, and literally yeah. when they have to come up, they have to stop at like you know that halfway point to kind of like yeah. Get everything. Get They've your body. Got to stop and yeah. But, the nitrogen but nowadays, out. nowadays they'll take down an iPad and they'll sit down there and watch a movie for an hour because <laughs> they have to be there for like an hour. Like they have to actually, like, it's crazy. <laughs> a waterproof iPad. How? Fat. No, it's you know, so. It's, that's what it's, it's come true. to. I know it has, but like because the, they have to sit at that certain level for an hour before they can even yeah. keep going up. That's how deep they dive. But the whole thing is using helium instead of nitrogen in the air. What happens is the helium actually dissolves into the blo- uh, like out of the system a lot faster than the nitrogen does. So I don't know if it, I want to do actually, this. No, no. Well, no one's asking you to do it. <laughs> I know, but like, <laughs> but it, it doesn't sound like a fun. I don't think I don't think it sounds like a fun mission. Do you want to go down real, real deep? You may die. No, no, count me out. Well, but you're the, you're one of the first people to do this. So what they did is they attached this device that would basically record everything going through the cable, and okay. then every couple of months, I think it was once a month, they'd go back and take the tapes out put new tapes in because don't forget it's the 70s so mm. they were probably using like cassettes i don't know but they take the recording device and they put more recording media in there and away they'd go now on top of this they also mm. set it up so if the uh, russians wanted to pull the cable up to check it the device would just fall off it all right so we have this incredible device recording all of this material and it went on for about 10 years and while they were there as well because remember they said we're going to collect bits of your missile that you threw at us or (laughs) threw up in the air yeah they collected a million pieces of missile while they were down there and reverse engineered it and worked out how to counter it so double bonus not only did they get the intelligence they also managed to pick up a missile that they could reverse engineer and then counter now The interesting thing is they're getting nuclear war strategies, tactics. They got all of this intelligence for 10 years. And then they finally, they went to check it out. They went to go and pick up the recording material probably. And there is a ship over the top of it, a Russian ship over the top, a salvage vessel. So they went, oh, hang on. Um, Maybe we need to stop this. They dived down after the vessel had gone. Their machine had been taken away. Oh, no. How did they find it? How did they find it? Well... They didn't find out about how the Russians found this thing. And now the interesting thing is, how did the Americans find the cable in the first place? I mean, where was it? And this gets down to a really important point. The American submarines could get so close to the coast, they could raise periscope and to scan the beach. And when they saw a sign saying, do not fish here, undersea cable, that's, where they, that's how they found it. 
right, in a million square miles of ocean. They found it by using the sign on the beach. Brilliant, right? Right. You so got, they- you got to look on your face as if to say, what? Well, so- the Russians found out that they were being tapped. Surely they found out because someone was a double agent? Definitely. I just threw that little bit in there about how the Americans found the cable in the first place because I forgot to put it in the start. Oh, okay. I see what you're doing. You're doing this confusing thing where you're like, here's yeah. the beginning, here's the middle, but wait a minute, I'm going to go back to the beginning. The beginning, yeah. Okay. You've got to figure it out. You're, you're just trying to keep me on my toes to make sure I'm actually listening. Now, how did they find out? I don't know. How'd they find out? Double agent. So, this thing ran from about 1971 till about 1981. And then it was around about 1985. So, it finished in 1981 and America had no idea how the Russians found out. And then the Americans got this Russian defector by the name of Vitaly Yurchenko. So, KGB colonel. Yeah, Yurchenko. Right, so he defected to America and he told the US agents that were debriefing him about a guy by the name of Ronald Pelton. Ah, yes. Here we go. Ronald Pelton was a 44-year-old employee of the NSA. So whenever the Navy got this intelligence, they'd immediately send it to the NSA because NSA have... Russian translators and could analyze the intelligence. So Pelton was working for the NSA and was in serious debt. Yes, apparently he he was bankrupt, which I would think would be a red flag. Definitely. But maybe he hadn't told his internal security review that 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 was what was going on. Again, that's why- Surely, surely if you work for a government agency, Mm -hmm. passing secrets- Mm all that kind of stuff, yes. if you go bankrupt, yes. a flag would be raised. Because doesn't that put, well, you in, put you in a position of compromise? Oh, definitely. I mean, obviously, he won- mm. He, but the thing is, instead of the Russians going, ha-ha, we know you're bankrupt, yep. he basically walked into the Russian embassy and went, guys, your undersea I'm cable bankrupt. in the Sea of Kotsk <laughs> is, yeah, is, being, is being tapped, by the way, I'm bankrupt. Can I have some money for this information? Guys, do I have no much- money and I need it fast. What do you need to know? <laughs> Guys, I'm taking this girl out to dinner. Can you lend me a 20 and I'll give you the nuclear codes? And I'll tell you everything. Just give me 50 and I'll give you the nuclear codes. Anything you want. Right. So basically what he did was he turned around and went, guys, your undersea cable in the Sea of Kutsk is being tapped and I can let you know how all this is working. So he was paid a princely sum of $35,000 American. That's it. Yeah, it wasn't uh, It wasn't a lot. No, it wasn't a lot. And for he didn't get out of prison because, of course, he was tried for espionage and of sent course. to prison. He got out in 2015. Really? Yeah. So 25 years, pretty much 20 to 25 years. 25 years for $35,000? Does not seem like a good deal. No, it doesn't. When you, you know, when you think about it, it's only just over a thousand bucks a year. Also, that's if not, you're going to commit that's... espionage, move out of your country. Like, go somewhere where there's no extradition treaty. Like, I don't understand. Well, yeah, the problem is they needed him in place so they could access more intelligence, right? Oh. Remember, when you have an asset, you keep that asset in place. You don't uh, until the very last minute. If it means you burn the asset when they get caught, then you burn the asset, but you keep them in place for as long as possible. Right. Right. Right now, the whole thing is Ivy Bells was like the the benchmark of undersea intelligence. Okay. But can I ask a question? Where did the name yep. Ivy Bells come from? Because it's actually ridiculous. Ops name. Sorry. And again, now remember, military operations we sort of name it yeah. uh, after what we're trying to do. So I think what's I think the operation in the Ukraine, the Americans are calling their part of the operation enduring freedom. 
Yes, right? I understand that, but like Ivy Bells? We don't want anything in an intelligence operation. You don't want the operation name to reflect anything going on in the operation because you don't want so if we were if if you called it, you know, Operation Undersea Russian Cable Tap the Russians see that they get a bit of intelligence. Just an operation name can give away what's going on, all right? Yeah. So you make your ob- your operation name as obscure as possible. You yeah. don't want it to reflect what's going on in the operation. You want it to obscure what's going on. So calling it Operation Ivy Bells, that probably would have had Russian analysts going, huh, what are these idiots doing having dancing party when military yeah. intelligence? Yeah. Right. Totally. So that's why it would be Ivy Bells. Now, I like the name Ivy Bells. I think it's quite cute. But because of Ivy Bells, now everyone's in the game. Now, the Russians right. are really big on undersea intelligence, right? They have the Russian main directorate of undersea research. Also, no, Glovnoy, Upralvleni, Glublovglivnich, Izoldovny. Right. That's its Russian name. Everyone yep. around the world calls it Googie. <laughs> G-U-G-I. They call it the Googie. Right now, Googie has a research vessel, this really cool research vessel. It looks like something out of a Bond movie, mm. right? And whenever anyone asks, it's like, no, his research vessel has nothing to do with espionage. But it can launch submersibles, and they often find it lingering over undersea cables. So there is that. The Russians are doing it, and they've got submarines now. There's a great thing. I'll post it on our Twitter feed, at Ice Podcast, this great thing where it basically goes through all the underwater assets they've got, from divers to big submarines that carry little submarines that carry drones, and also of course, beluga whales and dolphins. So how do countries keep their undersea cables unhackable? Secure. Right. Well, that's the problem. How do you when it's that far down? Now, intelligence is saying that the Russians have a submarine that can reach a depth of 10,000 metres and operate, which means basically they've got access to the entire floor of the ocean. The Chinese have an interesting way of doing it. They've got submarine assets that certainly could hack a submarine cable, but you know what the Chinese have done? This is genius. One. They've set up Huawei Marine Networks. And Huawei Marine Networks, they specialize in laying and maintaining and repairing undersea cables and thus far have repaired, what is it, around 100 undersea cables, to which a lot of countries are like going, are you crazy? Right, you're yeah. letting the Chinese have access to your undersea well, technology. Your Huawei has been, I mean, that's why the US stopped Huawei from doing a lot of work from them. We did as well. Yeah. Like Huawei yeah. kept trying to break into our technology scene. So I think we're, we're now wise to the Huawei's. Yeah, we are wise to Huawei. Now, yeah. what's, what's really interesting about Huawei is Man, they just get it done so much cheaper than everybody else. Yes, because they're making money off the back end from all the secrets they're stealing. Well, they're they're basically <laughs> being they're being subsidised by the the Chinese yeah. government. So yeah. that's that's Huawei. They've got like uh, so China are also in the game. Pretty much everyone, if you own a submarine, you're in this game. All right, it's really important part of intelligence gathering is being able to access these undersea cables because ninety five percent of all data on the planet goes through an undersea cable at some point. So like Mm. Hawaii, the whole thing about hacking Hawaii, the big thing about that is the fact that Hawaii is kind of like the nexus of all information then flowing on 
to the US from Southeast Asia. There are connections that go through Alaska. There's also, of course, I mean, America was fascinated, like really, really locked into the transatlantic cables because that's where Russia is going to attack them. But China are definitely getting into the game in the Pacific. So you've got all of these different cables going on. Now, what does that mean for Australia? One, well... We need some new submarines, all right? B- bottom line. Oh, right. no, we do. They're coming in about 20,000 years and they're going to be nuclear-powered yes. and we have nowhere to put them. It's great. Now, it's a good deal. A couple of interesting points about that. Yes, AUKUS is still going on. Albo had a meeting with uh, Boris Johnson at uh, it was either NATO or the G7 just last week. He had yep. a meeting with him and basically went, no, AUKUS, still up for AUKUS, still happy with that one. The other thing is nuclear submarines. The problem Australia has, as we've discussed in earlier episodes, is the fact that we don't have a nuclear industry and without a nuclear industry, we can't maintain these submarines. But the Americans are doing really interesting things with reactors. Right, because they want their space program to go nuclear. They they they're sick of using chemical rockets. They'll use chemical rockets to get assets off the planet. But once you want to move around the solar system, nuclear is the way to go. And that could be the kind of technology we'd have stuck in one of our subs. It's a capsulated thing. You don't have to maintain it. It just gets plopped in the submarine like a battery, really, and then taken out and replaced with a new one 50 years later. The other thing that's really interesting about it is drones. Australia is probably going to start looking at drones, underwater drones, because that way you don't have to have people in them. They can just run for miles. Yeah, I would imagine that a drone would be better than a submarine. I mean, I feel like by the time we get our submarines, no one will be using submarines. You know what? By the time we get our submarines, people will be in space because that's how long the deal is taking. But that's the thing. A submarine is essentially a spaceship. It's I know. You are working in an utterly hostile environment. The only difference is where space has zero pressure. You know, the oceans have increasing pressure, but basically well, it's why, a hostile environment. Well, if you follow Star Trek, you would understand that all the spaceships are named after naval ships. Exactly. It's a naval kind of thing, you know, right. being up in space, being down here. The problem we ship. have with that is, you know, Elon Musk is going to probably be cloned by then and will own the planet. Now, the other thing about undersea cables, and this is one thing that people often forget. Uh, yes, is please, it's not just please about sp- tell me what people yeah. often forget about undersea cables. I can't wait for this ripping yarn. Go. <laughs> You're being facetious. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm fascinated. Go. But that's why we like you. All right. Okay. Now, it's not just about gathering intelligence. It's also about disruption of service, right? So if I can knock out your cable, you're going to have to use another cable. You might even have to use my cable. Mm. And if you're using my cable, then I can access all your intelligence. I can access all your data. So that's what I was going to ask because Australia, we're essentially we're quite isolated. So I would imagine that we rely heavily on our undersea cables to keep us kind of in the loop. So if someone wants to knock out a fair chunk of the information that we pass on, taking out one of our cables would be quite disruptive for us. Yeah. And depending on which cable you take out, I mean, as I said, there's 13 cables alone coming into Sydney. There's cables coming down from Singapore to Perth. The interesting thing is, Sure, Perth gets um, material. We've also got a cable from Perth running to Sydney. So we'd have cables running around the continent because it's cheaper to lay a cable in the ocean than to dig a trench and put it across the continent. Right. right? Imagine trying to stretch a co- like you could do it aerially. The other thing is how do we tap these cables? Because when I was working at ASIO and that was when the building was basically being fitted, we were yep. moving into the building when I joined, you'd walk around the corridors and there were red cables lying on the floor everywhere and you were basically told do not step on them because they were all fiber optics. Yes. Fiber optics is difficult. Well, it used to be very difficult to tap. 
right? So what would happen is they would sit there on the floor. Once everything was connected up, there was a clear Perspex channel yep. running through the roof. They were all put up in the roof. So as you walked down the corridor, you could see all the cables. Now, the reason they made the cables visible was what you need to tap a fiber optic cable is a little device. It's about, you know, the sort of half the size of a toaster. You put the cable through it, close it on, and basically it slightly perforates the wrapping without cracking it, and then it sends the light out through a prism, and then you basically split the information off. You're right. getting a reflection of what's so going on. So how do you do that under but underwater? The, well, underwater, you build a really big one of those. Right. And remember, if you're underwater at a cable, as I said, 400,000 kilometres of cable come out of Australia, right, to connect it up to the world. There's a lot of places you can find to connect it where there's not going to be anybody watching you like anywhere in the 400,000 kilometers. Yep. Basically, you put a device around it. Now, this was the interesting thing about Ivy Bells because this wasn't fiber optics. This was electrical cable, mm. right? This was electric signals. What they did is they used induction. So the, the device was about, you know, five, six feet long and enclosed the cable and all it basically picked it up through induction. It picked right. up every single signal. The big problem was then taking that induction data and separating it out into its individual signals. Right. Right. So I mean, again, intelligence has this real ability of kind of upgrading technology through what it needs. Now, the technology that the Americans created for Ivy Bells then went on to kind of influence how undersea cables were structured, built, repaired, and monitored. So the bugging device I told you about, the little one you'd use on a cable in an office, yep. that it wasn't designed for espionage. It was designed so you could check a cable to make sure it was getting a clear signal through it. And intelligence went, hey, we can use that. And some of the taps that were installed were also the advanced instruments were built by AT&T, which is yeah. now it's like the telecommunications company, the main one over in America. So yeah. I think that would also lend itself to the advances in telecommunications. Now, there's one more thing before we go, and I'm going to tell you this because the Americans have found out a brilliant way of tapping cables better than anybody else. It's brilliant. You'll what? love this. Yes. It's called Room 641A. Oh, now I like this. What's happening? Room 641A is a room in the AT&T building in San Francisco. Yep. All the cables coming into San Francisco from the Pacific Ocean go through Room 641A. Amazing. Now, Room 641A was created by the NSA so they could monitor without a warrant any intelligence or any information coming into the country. Wow. Uh, which leads us to a little guy, and you know what? I promise that we'd do this, and because I've got time off at the moment, because I'm not teaching my little people at school, yep. I will sit down. We are going to do the episode on Edward Snowden because oh, yes. this is the kind of room he would have walked into okay. and just siphoned off all that intelligence well, that he's now sitting on top of in Moscow. Okay, well, then that's a good place to end it. And then yeah, I think so. let's try and maybe next step do Snowden. I feel like we, we have Definitely. been talking about it for so long and we haven't really tapped into Snowden as deep as we would like to. And I think now's a really good time, particularly off the back of what's going on with, you know, WikiLeaks and yeah. Assange as well. Yeah. And by the way, I like the way what you said. We'll go deep. I like the way you said that. That was really clever. Yeah, yeah. I saw what you did there. I know. I know. I'm clever.